We need the good shepherd of souls, Jesus Christ, to care for us. These are difficult times, layer upon layer of national and global crisis. COVID-19 pandemic, quarantine, financial collapse, the shootings of Aubrey, Taylor, Floyd, even a fourth one coming in today as I record on Friday. Violence in cities, mental distress, emotional fatigue, physical depletion. May I be honest with you? I'm exhausted. I mean, don't misunderstand me. I am hopeful in Jesus. Every day his mercies are new. And and his spirit is bringing that home to me. But still, I'm exhausted by these months of trauma, pain, and crisis. And most of you are too. And that's why in a minute we will turn to God's word. We We need its renewal. But first, I ask you to join me in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Father God and Holy Spirit, Our prayer right now is just what we heard sung. Good shepherd of our souls, come dwell within us. Take all we are and mold your likeness in us. Before the cross of Christ, this, this is our sacrifice, a life laid down and ready to follow you. Amen. Please take a Bible and turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 12. Old Testament book of Proverbs, chapter 12. You know, God shepherded me in in very real time this past Thursday afternoon. I was working on my sermon for today. Actually, I was downstairs at the kitchen table, you know, big moment in the day, change of venue, came down from my study upstairs, sitting at the kitchen table, close to some food, trying to focus on Genesis 25. You see, for some time I'd been planning to launch with great eagerness my final series here at Stonehill Church, a series on the God of Jacob and his overwhelming grace over the years of Jacob's life. But the Holy Spirit was shepherding me, prompting and giving me an uneasiness. The text Genesis 25, about Jacob's birth, it just didn't seem right. And I thought about my words from last week's sermon, that it would be wrong for me as a leader to remain silent about the cruel and wrongful deaths of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and another one, as I mentioned, coming to light even as I record. I wrestled with the Lord. I said, well, Lord, I... I can't change my sermon now. And I heard this voice, yes, yes, you can, you must. Lord, I can't. Yes, you must, you can. And ever obedient, I said to myself, well, you know, maybe this is just some undigested nachos. So I decided I, I would get on the phone and talk to three trusted advisors, which I did, and all three of them said, yes, you must change. And so here, as a result, we are in Proverbs chapter 12. 
Lord willing, we will get over to Genesis 25 next week, although I've learned uh, through years of experience that it's, it's Lord willing, all right? Proverbs chapter 12, and I'm going to read to you uh, verses 13 to 19 of the chapter. Why don't you follow me as I read? An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignore an insult. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. This is God's word. Now, I hope you don't hear the book of Proverbs Proverbs the way I used to. Let me explain what I mean. This book was originally written to be almost like a court document, a royal court document, designed to train and to shape, to educate and to mentor young leaders, princes. And so it's filled with both private and public theology, private and public advice. In today's words, the book of Proverbs is written for your heart, your private devotional world, your family, uh, your home, for sure, but it is also written for your public world, for our public world. That's why early in the book, actually chapter one, we're told that wisdom cries out in the streets. Wisdom is one of the main characters in the book. And she's a woman because in Hebrew, the word wisdom is feminine. It's a feminine noun. Proverbs 1, verses 20 and 21. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street to those gathered in front of the city gate. The city gate would be like Borough Hall. And you have wisdom crying out in these public spaces saying, you need me, and you need me here in these places as much as you do in your, quote, private world, unquote. This is a book that we should read for public theology, for advice on how to live during public and national crises like the ones that we are facing now. And that is exactly why I want us to focus on this text, and in particular on verse 18, especially as it relates to the racial tensions that we are facing. I'm going to, in this sermon, put over to the side COVID-19, the economy, Um, riots. I'm going to put all that over on the side and I'm going to focus on racial tensions. And from the standpoint of Proverbs and its public theology, our words, 
our emails, our Facebook and Instagram and social media posts. These things in times of crisis can deliver either life or death. Proverbs 18.21 reads this way. The tongue has the power of life or death. Proverbs 12.18, which I want to focus on, takes a closer look at that death-life, life-death alternative. Here it is in the NIV translation. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That's 16 words in English, seven words in the original Hebrew. It's a short little statement, but in the short little statement, God calls to us in four different ways. He gives four different callings to us on living out the gospel during the the racial crises of today. First call from God is to recognize a persistent problem, a problem that just doesn't go away. That problem, as described in verse 18, the first half, is in effect this. In life in general, and definitely during this racial crisis, there are too many people with reckless words. In the original Hebrew, the first statement of verse 18 is almost like this. If you've lived for any length of time, then you know that there are people who speak recklessly, carelessly, thoughtlessly, who disregard the situation, the consequences, the people involved. We need to recognize that persistent problem. Now, I can only be an expert on my own experience. So let me share out of that And let me talk about a controversial phrase. You know it is the phrase, black lives matter. As originally coined, that phrase was attempting to say that given the Trayvon Martins, the Breonna Taylors, the George Floyds of the world, the abuse of power, of force in relation to black people, too often leading to death, That abuse of power needs to stop because black lives matter. And they matter. The statement needs to be made in in an extra, extra emphasized way because they are too often victims of lethal force. Now, I've heard arguments about this phrase. I've heard it said, well, first of all, let me say, I, I understand the original intent of the phrase, but I've heard people say time and again, and often with force and with brashness, yes, black lives matter, but all lives matter. And so we shouldn't be saying black lives matter. Instead, it's all lives matter. That's what we should be saying. Now, I've not paid much attention to all the disagreement until the other day. And I heard an African-American brother talk about the hurt and the cold indifference 
the anger that he feels when he hears white people say, all people matter. He responded by saying, well, of course all people matter. Of course white people matter. We get that. No one denies that. He went on to say, but but let me ask you this. Let's say your house is on fire. And the fire engines come and they, they douse the flames and they put the fire out. And everyone's, everyone's thankful. Hooray, you know. And you're standing there outside at the end of your driveway and your neighbor walks up. And he calls out to the firefighters, hey, you just shot water onto this house, but you didn't shoot any water onto my house. All houses matter. He said that, and I saw it. I got it. I understood it. And I felt how, thought, I felt how, how thoughtless, brash words can be said with a brash attitude, how they can be like swords that pierce and cut, as if saying to to black people, your problems are overplayed, grow up. When it comes to relationships that cross ethnic racial lines, recognize how damaging is any kind of brash, I know best, sort of speech. Let me get to the second call because it supplements the first. The second call from God in this verse is to get wisdom. Get wisdom. Wisdom is all over the book of Proverbs. As I said earlier, it is the main character. And the main point of the book is Get wisdom, and whatever else you do, get knowledge. That's from chapter 4. Putting it in New Testament terms, you cannot be an effective leader without Christ's wisdom. Matters of race relationship are so heavy with hurt, with history, and with personal experience that not one of us can presume that he or she is an expert. We all need to get wisdom. And the first step of wisdom is to listen with humility. Proverbs 11 verse 2, with humility comes wisdom. Now this is exactly where the church of Jesus Christ can fit in. In a gospel-centered church, we have a community, a, a community born out of Christ's mercy and his grace, out of his death and his resurrection, a community that can be ready to listen, to talk, to help, to guide, to shape, to counsel, to push us, to challenge us, to, to re-educate us, people to point us to resources, books and websites to read and people whom we can ask with sensitivity and without expectation tell me if you're able right now tell me how you feel again I speak out of my experience as a white male a member of the majority culture 
a black brother here at Stonehill shared with me a, a poignant email the other day. I'm going to read from his email. It is alleged that George Floyd committed a crime by offering a counterfeit $20 bill as payment for goods. That, to the best of my knowledge, has not been confirmed. But two things are factual. The first is that for the alleged crime, in full view of multiple videos, a police officer placed a handcuffed George on his abdomen, knelt on his neck with the full weight of his body for eight-plus minutes until George died. And let me parenthetically insert, he had the knee on the neck without any due process. Continuing the email. The other thing that is factual is that this act of savagery led to people of color taking to the streets in legitimate protest, demanding change. There was outrage from all sides because no one could look away any longer. Now here comes the really poignant part. This scene and worse has been repeated too many times in this country. And I no longer get angry because for me it is a a useless emotion. No one is listening. So I will not speak of my own multiple episodes with police and racism at all levels of American society. These are words not from some stranger, not from a political enemy, not from someone who disregards God. These are words from a brother in Christ. Let me speak to my white brothers and sisters here at Stonehill Church. We are the majority culture at Stonehill Church. We need to get wisdom. We need to listen humbly. And through that, get a broad understanding of what is happening, and who is being impacted, impacted, and and how we should therefore live out our faith. Get wisdom on matters of racial perspective, feeling, hurt, and anger. Third call from God, speak up well. I've heard many times over the past uh, month or so, Pastor Matt, use your words. Speak up about these issues. I'm a man of words, right? I mean, that's how God made me. I'm a public figure. I think nothing of standing up in front of 10 or 10,000 people and opening my mouth, even if I make a fool of myself. But for some of you, speaking up is terrifying especially speaking up about something so charged as racial injustice. But this proverb, 12.18, sinks truth unavoidably into our lives. It, it 
talks about the tongue of the wise. The tongue. We would probably say today, I think with less effect, your words, your speech, your talk, but not Proverbs and not here. The tongue of the wise. The tongue, that's something physical. That's something so unavoidable. It's part of you. It's the Proverbs way of saying you have to do something with your tongue. Even if you don't do something with your tongue, you're still doing something with your tongue. If you don't use your tongue for wisdom, then you will still use your tongue for something else. Your tongue's there. It doesn't go away. You're stuck with it. You have to use your tongue in some way. So decide by the grace of God to use your tongue to speak the wisdom that you're gaining. Or even more simply, if you're not ready for that, use your tongue to gain wisdom. Tone Bellamy, who prayed earlier in the service, pastor of Transformation Church, writes this. During this time of great pain, call and check on your African-American friends. And if you don't have African-American friends, then reach out to an African-American acquaintance and turn that person into a friend. You will find that we African-Americans are willing to help you understand what all this feels like as long as you are humble and willing to listen. I like that, as long as you are humble and willing to listen. For some of you, reaching out to an African-American brother or sister right now sounds like the worst possible thing imaginable. What would I say? How would I handle it? So maybe, maybe for you the best thing right now is to educate yourself, to, to find out from others stuff to read, stuff to watch on the internet. But eventually, eventually, eventually remember our Savior Jesus Christ upon the cross, dying for us in love so that we in turn can die for one another in love. And these kinds of little sacrifices that we make to do what we, we don't want to do, these are the very things that in our weakness God can use powerfully. Speak up well. Fourth call from God, don't be silent. I love how verse 18 ends with such a, such a redemptive possibility. The tongue of the wise brings healing. With your words, you can bring healing. Healing that in the proverb and in our current situation is especially needed because of the wounds and the cuts from previously reckless words. With that healing in view, let me pastorally guide you to not minimize three dynamics, three realities in, in our church right now. First are the wounds and the heart sickness of African Americans. And these wounds and heart sickness have deepened as they have watched the horrific video of the slow death, the murder of George Floyd. Don't minimize that. 
Second, don't minimize the pain African Americans have felt when the rest of us, especially we who are majority culture white, especially when we ignore what has happened, we don't mention it, or we make some sort of brash, thoughtless comment about it. Don't minimize that. But finally, and this is what this proverb is all about, finally, don't minimize the healing that can take place when you use your tongue for wisdom. The tongue of the wise brings healing. As I conclude, let me target three groups who are listening right now. First, those of you listening who are African Americans. I hope you have heard the desire of me and through me of God's people. I hope you've heard the desire of God's people at Stonehill to be people of wisdom. People who want to bring healing, a long overdue healing. Please don't write us off. We are broken. We have undoubtedly wounded you in the past. But we want to bring healing. We want to be part of a healing that, as I mentioned, should have taken place a long time ago. Second, to those of you listening who are not African American and who are not part of the majority white culture at Stonehill, everything I said relates to you too. Help us grow. We help us in, in the majority culture. Help us grow. Help us change. Help us to understand your experience. We want to gain wisdom. Finally, to those who, like me, are white, turn, repent of any sense that you know what it is like to be an African American in the United States right now. Instead, Recognize the problem of rash words. Get wisdom. Speak up well. Don't be silent. Let us pray. Father God, take these words, take this simple text filled with public theology and public advice Take it into our lives, into our understandings, into our hearts. And through all that, take it into our words, into our tongues, so that we can recognize the problems when we're thoughtless with our words. We can get wisdom. We can speak up well and not be silent. Please help us to do these things by your grace and for the glory of Jesus Christ. I pray in his name. Amen. Now let's come right to the foot of the cross. Be reminded of our own unworthiness and of our great treasure.
Jesus Christ.